1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three time, 20 year breast cancer survivor, and I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life.
2: Hi, and I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22 year survivor. I'm also a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. We're the co-founders of Breast Friends, and we have a very, very important topic today, palliative care, what it is, why it matters, and our guest is Dr. Angela Kalishak from
1: Compass Oncology.
2: Welcome.
1: And Dr. <laughs> Dr. Kalishak, you're you're a medical oncologist and medical director of Compass Oncology's palliative care program, so we would love to have you tell us a little bit about all of that, what does it mean, and and how you got there. Would you mind sharing? Well, what a pleasure to be here.
3: Thank you so much for inviting me, Sharon and Becky. Um, Thank you. As Becky Becky mentioned, I have practiced medical oncology in Portland, Oregon for 25 years, and am currently with Compass Oncology. Um, And my initial practice here in Portland was primarily focused on women with breast cancer But in 2008, I made a shift in practice that uh, was prompted in part by personal um, uh, factors in my life and in part by a recognition among my partners uh, whom I cherish that we could be doing a better job um, with supporting all patients uh, who have serious illness and um, especially serious cancer illness. At that same time, I was um, helping my elderly mom who had developed dementia and was needing much more care at the end of her life, and the two parts of professional and personal life coincided with my going back to get some additional training and becoming certified in palliative medicine uh, to supplement my skills as an oncologist and for the last few years i've stayed in my oncology practice but focused entirely on integrating more palliative care into usual oncology care
1: and no, can i i just want to share something cuz a lot of our listeners are from all over the the country and the world and so a lot of them don't know about dr kalashak but she is such a highly highly respected physician here in the portland area um she's with one of the most respected um, oncology groups here in, in the Portland area. So, you know, it's, we just wanted to go on record saying that because a lot of people may not know who you are, but it's, um, it's really quite an honor to have you with us today for that reason. Well, so And,
2: and the fun. thing is about palliative care, it is, um, I think, confused a lot of times. So why don't you tell us a little bit what actually palliative care is, Dr. Kalashak? Well, I am passionate about this topic. Um, Palliative (laughs)
3: care really is specialized medical care that provides an extra layer of support for people who are living with the stress of a serious illness and support for their families as well. So it is um, really care that is focused on uh, the whole person, and it's for people who have any type of serious illness, not just cancer. So my own mom um, uh, experienced its benefits in her dementia dementia illness, patients with heart failure, chronic lung disease, many types of serious illness um, are benefited by palliative care. I think our understanding of how beneficial it can be has really changed over the last um, decade or so. And one of the things that Becky and Sharon and I have talked about in the past has been that, you know, traditionally people have thought of palliative care as the same thing or synonymous with hospice care. And mm-hmm. it's um, actually part of a kind of continuum of care, but hospice care is really care for um, people at the end of life, and palliative care is available to and important for patients. Um, all through the continuum of a serious illness. So it's not at all reserved for the last six months of life or the very last part of life um, as hospices. It's appropriate at any stage of a serious illness and for any age of person. So not necessarily an elderly person and not necessarily a person who's at the end of his or her life.
2: Well, and that's amazing, too, because um, the fact that it's not just for cancer, because cancer is our, our realm and yours as well. But it's interesting, too, that it actually can be used for other types of severe um, traumatic illnesses, too. So that's great. So um, when you approach um, palliative care with your patients, um, do you bring it up or does the, the, the patient bring it up or how, how do we discuss this? Well, that's really interesting.
3: In my own practice, I frequently have other doctors um uh, come to me and say, I have a patient who I think is struggling either physically or emotionally or psychologically um, with their illness. And sometimes um, I am more and more approached by patients themselves, uh, family members who've had an experience or um, have heard about palliative care. And now it's very gratifying, you know, cancer patients, tend to be uh, people who share a lot. And, you know, <laughs> yes, we do.
4: <laughs> even
3: in our own treatment room as patients sit next to each other and share about uh-huh. their illness and talk to each other in support groups, I get more and more referrals from people who say, you know, one of my friends in the treatment room has come to you for help with pain or at a time when um, her illness or his illness was more challenging, and they found it helpful, so I thought I would come and give it a try also. So I get referrals um, uh, through a variety of means, but I love it when I hear from patients who have been encouraged to come and see me by another patient who's felt better after coming.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's important. So so a patient can just ask for you or ask for palliative services. And that's, that's amazing. So let me, let me make sure that, that I do understand as well as our listeners understand what, what are you actually working on when you're helping them with palliative care? Well, initially, I um, and of course I want to preface
3: this by saying, um, particularly in my cancer practice, but I think all palliative care clinicians, we are partners to the patient's um, health care team. So I um, always look at my job as serving both the patient and the family and um, the health care provider who's taking care of the cancer illness, providing the chemotherapy um, doing radiation for the patient, has recently done a surgery, you know, we really partner as a team. So what I always do is in my first meeting with a patient, um, I ask the patient to kind of give me the assessment of what is troubling him or her the most. Um, And we try and look very holistically. One of the things I love about my practice is that I work in a team. I work very closely with Um, the nurses in my uh, practice, and specifically one of the nurses who has some more palliative care training, and I work very closely with social workers in our group and with services in the community. When I see a patient for the first time, I always encourage him or her to bring a family member, and then we just kind of take an assessment of how are things going, what matters most to you right now, and what's causing the biggest struggle. For some people, it's a physical symptom or a variety of physical symptoms like pain mm-hmm. or um, sometimes symptoms from the cancer and sometimes symptoms from our treatment of the cancer right, as well, right. um, so chemotherapy or radiation or recent surgery, and sometimes what is very concerning to the patient is how the physical illness they're experiencing is causing stress in other parts of their lives, sometimes with transportation to appointments, sometimes with how the illness is impacting their children, for example, Mm -hmm. especially young Mm -hmm. children. And so in that first visit, we sort of take the assessment and say, okay, what do we need to strategize about first? Because my job is to help improve quality of life. Sometimes that's physical, but many times it's a combination of things. So I think it's really important to stress that palliative care is almost always team-based care where we try and really wrap around the patient and the patient's support system since cancer can have such a ripple effect through people's Mm -hmm. lives. It sounds sure like can. sounds yeah.
2: like breast friends in a way, you know? How, no host, yeah. that too. Put your <laughs> arms around them and, and hold on and, and try to help them the best way we can. Now obviously we don't have the, the medical piece of that puzzle. That's where you guys are really shine. Um, but it is interesting how um you know until a, a few years ago when we when we had this uh pretty good conversation about palliative care, I don't know that I really understood that either, and that is somewhat what breast friends does a little bit too um but from the emotional piece of the puzzle so that's that's an interesting um perspective. so it sounds like it's very customized really for for the patient absolutely. Absolutely.
3: And I just want to mention, um, Becky and Sharon, that, um, recognizing that no one practitioner can do it all for a patient, we are very, um, tuned in to what are the other resources in the community? What might a person benefit from, you know, in terms of so many things, um, exercise, nutrition, emotional support like breast friends, we really try and recognize in palliative care that uh, a person spends very little time in our office. They live their lives elsewhere, Mm -hmm. and so we want to try and help connect people to whatever resources might be beneficial to them, recognizing, you know, a whole person should spend as little time as possible uh, in the doctor's office and (laughs) out living his or her life, and therefore connecting to people like BreastFence and other good resources is part of delivering good palliative care.
2: Absolutely. So the fact that it's customized is the part I love. You know, it's not just a bandaid to fix, you know, you know what, what might ail you um, in the big scope. It really is a very personalized thing. So if I'm dealing with pain, for instance, then you deal with that. If I'm dealing with emotional things with my family, maybe getting a social worker or breast friends or somebody else involved in that might be helpful. You know, so it is kind of an interesting um, approach. I'm really loving it, actually.
3: And And it's very influenced by, you know, meeting a person where he or she is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned, you know, um, palliative care is not just for people with an advanced cancer, but when a person has an advanced cancer, so many things might be happening. I, I think everyone who has a serious illness really understands how complicated our health care system is and oh boy, having yeah. multiple <laughs> doctors involved and multiple types of appointments Sometimes my biggest role is helping to coordinate communication among all the other practitioners a patient might be seeing.
2: And that makes sense. That makes sense. Again, you're looking out for the quality of life for that patient. And obviously, if they have uh, roadblocks in their way or hurdles, um, it sounds like that's kind of your, your role is to, is to knock down those hurdles and make their quality of life better.
1: Yes, You know, I, th- this I, is reminding I, me of, of something that, um, you know, it seems like part of that, understanding the quality of life, and that's going to vary person to person. And, you know, I've been going to Compass Oncology for many years. I love this, the, the help that I receive there. And one my, my oncologist there um, is one of your colleagues. And I remember one time when I was diagnosed the second time, and I told him, That the thing that was really bothering me the most of my second diagnosis is that I wanted to be able to speak at this at the Coman they at a Coman Survivor Luncheon, and the the theme was surviving or thriving after cancer, and I had just gotten diagnosed, and the luncheon was coming up in a couple months, and I remember being very very concerned that um, I was going to be too sick to go on stage, and that was the thing that that had me the most upset, and my doctor said to me, he goes, you know what, we're going to work backwards on your schedule and we're going to make sure that you are as healthy as possible to be on that stage if I have to pump you full of vitamins myself. And what I loved about that, Dr. Kalashak, is he understood me and he knew what I needed to, as part of my healing process, was to be on that stage. And anything less than being on that stage or encouraging that would have really been um, a, a very negative thing, and so that's what I love about you know working with you guys is that you really get the concept. and I don't think you had an official palliative care department at that time, but I think it's just kind of part of what you guys believe and and that's why it's it's such a pleasure to get my treatment there. And I always, you know, I don't like to spend a lot of time in the office, but I always enjoy my time in the office.
2: <laughs> if you gotta do it, at least yeah, you can you enjoy it, it right? Yeah. And
1: I was part I was part of that that chemo room support chat, you know, with people sitting next to you. And you know, so you do learn a lot from the patients in the in the chemo lounge, as we called it. And um, but it, it, it's a it can be a very um, uplifting experience if you have the right care team at your, you know, on your side. So I just wanted to say that because I just feel like that that was just kind of important. And it's along that same line of just understanding your patient, knowing what your patients need and and then offering that to them, you know, in some way. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how that connects, but I, it sure feels like it does. So I oh, just wanted to share it. Yeah, yeah so, I, I um,
3: think I think what you're what you're saying is or what I hear is that when people understand your individual goals and mm-hmm. understand that, you know, you are not your illness. Um your right. illness is an experience you're having, then it makes for a much better
1: partnership with your healthcare team. Absolutely. It really does. Absolutely. You know, we're gonna go out to break here in just a minute, but um I you know, I wanted to just I know we're going to talk a little bit about insurance later and how this is covered. But you know, I wanted to just make sure that that people know um, re- there's an organization called Regents, and Regents Health Plans offers the most comprehensive palliative care benefits, providing an added layer of support when you and your family need it most. And so that's I think that's good, and we're going to talk about insurance and how it's covered. So we're going to go ahead and and take a short break. We'll be back, so hang on and don't stay tuned, okay?
4: Okay. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health & Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today.
4: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield, and the power of a card. That opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Region's Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about palliative care with Dr. Angela Kalashak from Compass
1: Oncology. And so, Dr. Kalishak, I know one of the things that we just kind of touched on in the first segment was how does palliative care treat the whole person? And that would, I guess, would probably include the family members. So how, how do you do that? Well, again, um, a good part of
3: our focus is trying to take a team approach to care, knowing that um, a variety of skills are needed, and we know, as both of you have experienced, that um, we talk all the time about the ripple effect of cancer mm-hmm. and the many ways that a person's life is impacted, not just physically. So, when we think about whole person, we think about physical well-being, we think about emotional well-being mood can be so affected um, by cancer drugs, cancer treatment, fatigue. Um, We also talk about how has a person's role in life changed temporarily or sometimes in more permanent ways with a serious illness when a person might have to um, give over to their partner or to other members of the family some of their independence for a short time or sometimes a longer time. When people who've been the primary worker need to have time off, um, especially around parenting issues, um, when roles have to change, either short-term or long-term, there's an enormous impact on the family. And also, I think it can never be underestimated what serious illness does to our um, spiritual self. And, you know, spiritual, not in the religious sense necessarily, but just um, The meaning of our lives. How has this happened to us? You know, how do we go forward? Um, Many, many patients, um, and I've heard the two of you speak about this um, numerous times. Talk about when a serious illness happens like this, what it does to how we think about the future and priorities, and um, you know, finding meaning in what's happening to us. So when I talk about whole person care. In palliative care, we talk about all those things, and it is impossible to separate those things from the support system of the person who's going through the illness. So how things affect one's spouse or partner, um, small or adult children. Sometimes a great deal of suffering happens when adult children live elsewhere and want to be supportive to their parents. You know, how do we coordinate communication so people feel well informed um, and then um, helping people find um, both tangible um, support uh, things like you know I mentioned transportation or sometimes even um, temporary assistance with other things like you know house cleaning or financial assistance that people might um, have access to for some of their medical care needs and then um, Short-term counseling for some people or longer-term counseling, um, helping families grieve their losses. And I don't necessarily mean things like when a person dies. I mean grieving the loss of um, what someone might have felt their immediate future might have looked like. And now there's all this medical stuff intervening as we try to get them to a healthier place or get them through a longer-term illness.
1: So Boy, isn't that true. Morning. That's You know, it's really hard because, you know, cancer is bad enough. Just the idea that you have to go through the treatments and all of those things and then to have to worry about things like how do you get to your appointments or, you know, maybe the, maybe you're off work for, for the next few months. How do you pay rent? I mean, all of those things, that just adds a whole level of stress that is just makes it so much more difficult. So it sounds like you guys at least offer, you're offering resources for some of those things and taking some of that stress, you know, off of the patient that they already have on, you know, on top of all this other stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, and I do want to mention to you, Dr. Kalashak, and I know you're aware of this because you, you, um, have, you've all re- referred some of your patients to us, but we do have a program called Thriving Beyond Cancer. And it's one, you know, when a patient is completely done with treatment and um they're they're at through with active treatment you know they're going to still do their follow up appointments but at that point in time a lot of patients kind of feel like oh, what do i do now you know and who's watching me and who's taking care of me and so we do have a program called thriving beyond cancer it's a retreat for women who are at that place where they're they're done with that active treatment they're trying to kind of get their life sorted back out and and understand what is um, you know, new for them, and what does all that look like and that 's where a lot of our um, training and and support comes in because we do try to get women to sort of think outside the box and maybe for the first time visualize their their dreams and maybe maybe they 've been living their life for someone else 's dream and and you know we all have responsibilities, but that 's something that we've been offering at breast friends for some time and um, you know, we've had some patients come to us through Compass who have signed up for that workshop. So we really appreciate that. So let me ask you a question that, that kind of goes along with this. From your uh, from your end of things, when does your palliative care process stop with the patient? And then when do they move to another resource? Is there is there a stopping point? And I know that's not on my list of questions that we sent you.
3: <laughs> it's a great question because I think it is, it dovetails nicely with what you were just talking about. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm, it's obvious the benefits of palliative care when a person has an illness um, that perhaps can't be cured. I, and with an advanced illness, I frequently move in and out of somebody's life. I always tell the patients, um, I want to be totally invisible when you don't need me and all over it when you need me.
4: (laughs) Oh, Um, I like that. I like that a lot.
3: Uh That's great. So, um, but for people who, for example, go through an intensive period of treatment and then um, uh, begin to recover and and look and feel much better – we do transition away from uh, working with me towards something like uh, the program you were just describing or um, more survivorship focused um, Mm -hmm. in which uh, patients might really be looking more towards how do I make my wellness um, last and grow as I move out of my cancer illness. So I really see palliative care as points on the continuum of uh, treatment Sometimes um, people will see me just once, get a care plan, feel like they have what they need, and I tell them, call me if you need me. And sometimes with people with advanced cancer, you know, I'm with them through the end of their lives uh, Mm, as they transition into hospice. So again, it's highly individual, but important to recognize um, that, you know, you don't need the same thing at every phase. Exactly. Well, that,
1: that's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad that you stay with them. And then if they do need to move into hospice, it sounds like you are the ones who help transition them into that. And that's that's a beautiful thing because, I don't know, just knowing that a person is being cared for all that way and, and held on to, I, I just, that gives me goosebumps. So I want to thank you for that work that you're doing because that's, that's amazing. Um, so let me ask you another question about pain management. You know, I know as you, especially when you get into advanced cancers, there is a lot of pain that can be associated with that. And, you know, in my case, I I had um, breast cancer that fortunately it didn't do its damage, you know, in other areas. Um, So I I never experienced some of that. But there's still pain even in in just simple breast cancer, you know, with mastectomies and, and all of that. So how does, what do you guys do with palliative care as far as helping support pain management at all the levels? That's
3: actually one of the most common reasons um, people are referred to me is that they're experiencing um, pain that's really interfering um, with their lives, and um, I think one of the reasons that I so appreciate my job is, again, um, partnering with my oncologist colleagues. Most oncologists are great pain managers, um, but sometimes the pain becomes more complex, and patients need a lot more time to strategize about what helps the best. And that's one of the times when I'm most helpful to my colleagues who can mm-hmm. say, here are the four things I've tried already. Let's, you know, move, um, uh, into another phase of aggressiveness for the care, uh, of the pain. And one of the reasons that I focus so strongly on that is that I think, um, Anyone who's experiencing pain knows that it touches so many parts of their lives in terms of their wellness. Untreated pain often decreases appetite, interrupts people's normal sleep, impairs exercise ability—all the things that you think of when you think of focusing on wellness at any phase of life, whether you're 80 years old or 20 years old, um, and. Pain also can really, really affect mood and relationships. When pain Absolutely. becomes intense, people frequently withdraw from uh, regular life. So mm-hmm. we focus on trying to identify where the pain is interrupting normal life and really aggressively getting it under control as quickly as we can so that all those other wellness aspects um, aren't interfered with.
1: That makes complete sense, yeah. It really does. So is that where things like acupuncture and massage and all of those, is is that where they would come into play, or are there other things? Frequently, yes.
3: Um, Okay. You know, pain medication is obviously something that um, we rely on in certain circumstances, but for many people, um, pain medication medication as a solo uh, intervention is not all they need. So we try and do a careful assessment to look at is specialized physical therapy needed? Is massage potentially helpful? Sometimes mobilizing more, um, moving more, exercising more can really be part of um, helping to get a good care plan in place. And then there are also times um, as treatments have become more specialized where we really need to refer um, patients to another type of colleague like an interventional pain management doctor to do a nerve block or something that might be a procedure that then allows them to reduce some of the other drugs that they that they have to take. So understanding why they have pain, understanding what their goals are um, for what type of rehabilitation they feel they're looking towards, helps us put together a really comprehensive and holistic plan
1: I think that's a great idea and you know when you're a mom and you're you know, trying to take care of your family and you're having excessive pain. And, you know, I I went through some bone pain because there there's a drug that they give you after your chemo that is supposed to jumpstart bone marrow and kind of get you back on your feet. But I had such severe pain in my bones as, as it related to that, it was hard to get off my couch. And, you know, when you're trying to take care of your kids and then that adds a level of stress because all of a sudden I'm not the good mom that I'm really trying so hard to be you know and it's so it's nice to know that there are some other you know things that that we can do you know to kind of help women get through that stage and sometimes you just think that this is it; it is just going to have to deal with it for a while so well and it's interesting too because when you're dealing with pain or you
2: know anything like this I uh, it, it feels like our tendency is to also focus on our losses. You know, the focus is on the things you can't do right now, right. or focus on the things that, you know, have changed drastically in your life. And again, when you're in the middle of that deep hole, you wonder if you'll ever get any of those things back again. Um, and so again, trying to um, manage kind of their heads a little bit as far as understanding that they're, this, this is a temporary situation, hopefully in, in most of these people's cases, especially if it's just the regular treatment. And that, you know, you're going to have your good days and your bad days. And so do things that you can do on those good days. Try not to overdo it, because I've had that lots of times. Like, oh, I felt good yesterday, and I'm paying for it today. <laughs> not so good today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, again, understanding that that our physical and our mental and all of that is so intertwined. Um, and so if you are having... You know, pain that you're not um, you're not either expecting or um, that you're dealing with. Yes, talk to your doctors and talk to um, a palliative care doctor as well, because it sounds like this is just a service that all of us really need to be aware of and and you know be able to tap into when it's appropriate.
1: Absolutely. And, and does Reiki fit into this mix somewhere? Because I know that there's a lot of people that do speak about Reiki, and I think we're actually going to have a show on it sometime in the future. But how does Reiki, you know, energy type healing, is that, do you find that to be very helpful?
3: You know, I think um, that really depends on individual patients. Um, and certainly, you know, we've uh, seen um, people in the treatment room. Um, who have talked about um, positive impact of um, Reiki therapy. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't personally seen study evidence, but um, okay. some of these complementary treatments um, aren't studied, you know, in the same way as um, uh, medication studies. Uh, and, you know, I know of studies with um, acupuncture Uh, and potential benefit in cancer pain. Um, But I think it's so individual that um, therapeutic touch, which Reiki is a part of, as is acupressure, um, those sorts of treatments um, can have very um, interesting wellness effect even if they don't necessarily reduce um, pain at the moment. So... Mm -hmm. um, I'm not trying to be vague in my response. It's not an area of my expertise, Reiki in particular, but I've definitely mm-hmm. heard individual patients tell me that it's been extremely helpful for
1: them. Good. You know, my, my husband has a philosophy on how I can get rid of all my pain very quickly, very easily, and that's by rubbing his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, if you just rub my feet, all your pain will go away. Yeah. You won't <laughs> It's like, okay, well, I'm not Yeah, okay. I haven't experienced that yet. But... <laughs> anyway. So it's it's you know pain is a very real part of of a cancer journey and and it is something that really does need to get under control. So um we really want to thank you for that conversation because I think that was really important. We're going to go out to break here in a couple minutes. So um if we can just maybe pick up something on the uh, that we're going to talk about and finish up on the other side and that is what is advanced care planning. What when you talk about that, what does that mean? Because we've heard that term. Yes, that's
3: um Advanced care planning is not something specific to palliative care, but definitely a huge part of what I do. And I really like to think about it as a partnership between any adult uh, person and um, his or her health care provider that helps us understand what their goals are um, and how they feel about health care decisions and who would speak for them if suddenly they were unable to speak for themselves.
1: So does that go along with like the medical directive kind of thing too? Is that, it's all part of that. Okay. Okay, well we're going to pick that up on the other side of our break. So um, is there anything else we can talk about with regard to pain or any of the subjects that we've had so far? Um, We have about 20 seconds left before the break.
3: I just want uh, to emphasize that pain um, matters to us and that people don't have to consider that a necessary part of what they're going through. Mm. Um, You do not have to suffer with that. um, And please bring it to the attention of uh, your doctor.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a short break. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Stay tuned and stay with us on the other side.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today.
4: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a crossing shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now back to the show.
2: Oh, well, welcome back. We've been talking about palliative care with Dr. Angela Kalishak from from Compass Oncology. And we were just starting to talk about advanced care planning. So, Doctor, would you kind of give us an idea what that actually means and how do we talk to our doctor about those things?
3: Yes. Um, Advanced care planning is actually a focus of healthcare in Oregon. Um, We have a very progressive state and I think a state that's known for... um, our independent thinking on many uh, matters. But advanced care planning really is about um, understanding people's goals and values at different times in their lives and different stages of their health. So advanced care planning for a 25-year-old starting out in life is perhaps as simple as knowing if something happened. You know, if um, there were a serious accident... Um, who would you have speak for you? Who would help you make your health care decisions if you were not able to do that yourself? That's advanced care planning for a young person. Just, um, being prepared for the unexpected. As okay. we get older, um, you know, I'm in the middle of my life, um, and, uh, have helped, um, seriously ill adult parents. I have a 93 year old dad. Um, who had cancer younger in life but um, has been cured for 50 years but is now, you know, approaching a time where things happen. Um, Heart disease happens. Other things happen when one's 93. And it's really important in that phase of life to understand goals. And my dad and I have completed his advanced directives that identify um, what he would want us to do, his kids, in certain circumstances now that my mom has died what he would consider okay treatment he's been very clear with us that he does not want to die in a hospital he wants to remain home and independent as long as possible so he's told us in no uncertain terms that there's for him yeah mm-hmm. there are certain things he doesn't want um sure. for those of us now um who might be faced with serious illness like um, breast cancer, patients whose cancer is um, uh, advanced but um, still under treatment. Patients will frequently tell us, I do want certain things such as, you know, I want continued treatment as long as my quality of life is good. I, you know, want um, X, Y, or Z. But I would not want artificial feeding or, I would not want um, to be on a respirator um, at the end of life. Those are conversations that, of course, are more nuanced and more complicated. So, advanced planning mm-hmm. refers to all of us. And I would highly recommend that your listeners start with a website um, about the conversation project. Just Google conversation project a wonderful website that starts the conversation where it needs to start, and that's at home just with your family. You know, if there's someone who would speak for you, in my case, my husband, but prior to being married, it was my brother. You know, do they actually know what you would want, what's important to you? So I consider advanced care planning not one conversation, but a series of conversations through your life with your health care provider, but more important, with the people who matter to you, who understand your goals, who know what would be important to you if suddenly you weren't able to speak for yourself.
1: You know, Dr. Okay. Kalashak, one of the um, I had that, that similar conversation with my attorney when we were filling out our wills, you know, and that kind of came out of the blue. I didn't expect that. I, I thought the will conversation would be all about who I'm gonna leave what to and all of that. But when he asked me about medical directives, I, I was kind of surprised. I didn't expect that. And do you think that most attorneys make that offer to talk about, have that conversation, or is that something that that they need to be taught to do? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just got lucky. What What a good
3: question. I think most elder law attorneys are very focused on it, and I'm seeing more and more um, uh, attorneys when they do things like estate planning talking about it. You know, here in Oregon, we're very lucky in that directives, just regular medical directives, don't require attorneys or notaries. When we do our Oregon Advanced Directive, um, it's a, you know, document that's got a great information booklet that makes it um, easy to think about what are the key issues and then all that's required to have a legal document is to have you and your healthcare representative sign it and have it witnessed by two witnesses no notary required no attorney required so that's it's nice, yeah. um, very very user friendly and mm-hmm. um, you know there is another document called a post document Uh, physician order for life-sustaining treatment. And that is for people who have much more serious advanced illness um, or are quite elderly. Uh, But the advanced directive itself um, is really user-friendly. You can get it um, downloaded online or just um, ask for it at your doctor's office. All Oregonian doctors um, have them on hand and welcome those conversations with their patients.
1: That's great. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds like it's something that you want to do when you still have some level of health and you're not adding this new all these new decisions to your already stressful um, situation. So so yeah. something our listeners really do need to take to heart and talk to your doctors, talk to your attorneys about just what it is, or as Dr. Kalashak said, get the form and fill it out and have it witnessed and, and be done with it so it's not something else you have to think about later. So Yeah,
2: that's you know. a lot of times what we talk talk to the patients about, you know, get this stuff done now, um, especially if a woman has just been diagnosed with metastatic disease, you know, just get, get it done, get it over with, and then live your life, you know, get, not have to worry about all these decisions later. Um, um, and so it makes it a lot easier to just kind of, you know, move through this, uh, this, uh, information and make the decisions when you're still feeling good and then, you know,
1: move on. Yeah, and there's no. you know there's something about that. When I was diagnosed the first time, even though I ended up being okay, it did kind of force me to get my affairs in order. Yeah. and I you know and and it's a hard conversation to have because that mm-hmm. assumes then that you're not going to be here to you know much longer. But that's not what it means at all. It, no. it's get your affairs in order, like Sharon says, take the stress off, and then move forward. Yeah, and then exactly. You're, Becky, one less Becky thing. Becky and
3: Sharon, one of the things that I hear all the time from patients and families, um, but mostly from patients, is when I ask them, "What, what worries you the most? You know, frequently they say, I don't want to have pain, or I really hate the idea of not being independent, and then right up there in the top three, always, sometimes even number one is, I don't want to burden my family. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This is one way to to help not burden them, just to let them know what you want and what's important. So we find none of these conversations are easy. None of us wants to consider um, those things happening. But it's really kind of a gift to your family to talk about it and um, make those
2: decisions together, not in a time of crisis. Exactly, um, and actually, um, my husband and I have put together a simple estate organizer for a lot of these kinds of things, because again, what if something serious did happen, and then you haven't even told your kids where you where you do your banking, right? Or where you um, where you have the keys to the mobile home, or whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy, but that stuff a lot of times doesn't get talked about until it can be too late, and then you're stuck with piles and piles of paper at the last minute. When you're dealing with the grief and all of that, so um, it's it's really important to do this stuff up, stuff up front, so it um, you can have a conversation with family and and uh, you know bring them into the loop. I know death and dying and all of this subject can be can be challenging to talk about, but again, if you're doing it up front and you can be open about it, it's so much easier than later on. Yeah. So anyway, let's just take one more question about I know there's like some studies around um actually using palliative care and then and making sure that it um is working for you. Is there something that you can quote for us or
3: Yes. Um one of the really landmark um studies that caused a great deal of excitement in the oncology field was published in 2010 at Massachusetts General Hospital back in Boston, which is one of the major academic centers. And the study there involved um, lung cancer patients, um, and one group of lung cancer patients got usual treatment, um, including chemotherapy and radiation, and the other group of advanced lung cancer patients got all that stuff and were offered palliative care initially right with the very first visit, kind of a, we'll walk through your illness with you when you need us, we are here, and... um, At least once a month, uh, the patients were seen by the palliative care team as well as the oncology team, and what they found at the end of this study, which was all advanced lung cancer patients, so all patients with a very serious, quickly moving illness, they found that the patients who had received palliative care, perhaps not surprising, had less pain, had less depression towards the end of life, Um, families... Uh, felt uh, more satisfied with care, fewer patients died in the hospital getting unwanted care, fewer people found themselves in the hospital at the end of life, but the thing that really kind of um, rocked everyone was that the patients who got palliative care also lived longer than nope. the patients who didn't. That's amazing. And, and that was big news because many clinicians at the time feared if you involved palliative care that patients would feel, quote-unquote, oh, we're losing hope or my doctor's not as confident um, and uh, that the patients might live less long. And in fact, they live longer. Um, that's great. So I that think that's the that confusion
1: anxiety. between palliative ter- care and hospice like we talked about earlier. So, um Hopefully, this—if they listen to this show—they'll understand that it is not the same thing, and it's really designed to help and enhance, not just carry you through to the end. So, it's—I think that's important. Um, I, I have a question for you about um, insurance. You know, because I know that a lot of people—you know—they—they uh, they resist things that cost them extra money that their insurance companies won't pay for. And we know that our sponsor, who is Regents Blue Cross, has one of the most comprehensive palliative care plans. But are, do other insurance companies, is it, is it a standard of care now? It is
3: evolving rapidly to a standard okay. of care. Um, it is uh, Regents has a wonderful uh, program. And um, seeing a doctor like me in the office, a palliative care doctor, is covered by most insurance plans. But um, one of the things that's evolving um, that I think is absolutely stupendous is that many uh, insurers, like Regents, are recognizing that because our patients are not living in our offices, that having a home-based palliative care team, an arm of palliative care that will see patients at home, is sometimes hugely helpful to a enhancing quality of life. So the home-based palliative care team might consist of nurse or nurse practitioner or social worker, but again, kind of extending our reach so that patients get visits in between when they see us in the office. Um, so I know Regents has um, a wonderful uh, benefit. HealthNet um, has begun a benefit as well. Um, care Oregon and then For older patients on Medicare, many of the Medicare Advantage programs are also looking at extending more palliative care services outside of doctor's offices. Although, um, for example, in just straight Medicare, uh, if a patient's going to get palliative care at home, it usually means that they are um, sufficiently ill that they are actually homebound.
1: Um, Okay, that makes
3: sense. Palliative care in the office more and more and more um, okay. uh, providers are, are building benefits. Regents,
1: though, they were um, ahead of the game. That's awesome. Well, we are sadly out of time. And Dr. Kalashak, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show, giving up an hour of your time to be with us. We really appreciate it. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Have a nice week.